Come on, how's everybody doing? Anybody glad to be in church this morning? So good. Hey, just always want to take the opportunity to look in the camera and say hello and welcome to all of you uh, tuning in online, whether through Zoom or through YouTube. Come on, church. Do you love our online family, our extended church family? We love you. We're so glad. Well, listen, we know there's a lot of places you could have clicked this morning, but thanks for clicking on and being with us. We love you so much. Pastors Arnold and Anika, you're amazing and uh, really excited about what God's doing. I feel like I've been in here a lot. You guys haven't gotten sick of me yet. They keep asking me to come back, so I'm doing all right. Can you put up on me for one more week today? Okay, a couple of you. Hey, well, we, listen, we are so glad that you're here. If we haven't had the privilege to meet yet, how's it going? My name's Ryan. I'm just one of the pastors on staff here across the campuses, and we're so glad you're here. Whether you're part of our regular church family or you're visiting with us, we hope you feel right at home right here. And how many of you had a good Thanksgiving week? Come on, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yes, all right, how many of you wore your stretchy pants to church today? Come on, everybody, listen. You ain't seen a casserole you turned down yet, you know what I mean? For me, half of my plate was sweet potato souffle. Come on, anybody, some sweet potato fans? You know, a little broccoli cheese casserole, you know, so that, we, that way we feel healthy, at least something green is in there. We don't know what else is in the casserole, but we knew something green was in the casserole, and so we ate that, and uh, it's so, so good. And I'm, man, I am pumped um, to be able to deliver the word to you today. And I had this kind of interesting experience um, this week in prepping this message. Uh, I thought a real miracle had taken place because I felt like I knew what I was supposed to preach. God had spoken to me about what I was supposed to speak on Monday. Now, if you know anything about me, if God tells me on Monday, woo, he moves in mysterious ways and I was, I was receiving that miracle. And I was prepped on Monday, ready to go, locked, loaded. Tuesday came around, yep, still same message. Wednesday came around and for us due to, and our family, due to just some scheduling and family things, we actually did Thanksgiving dinner on, uh, on Wednesday. And so Thanksgiving day rolled around. I'm like, well, isn't this interesting? I don't have any drama at my house, but I prayed for the drama happening in your house. Come on, somebody, right? I, I, I was like, we're gonna have a peaceful Thanksgiving. We're not, there's no hustle and bustle. I didn't have all my nieces and nephews running around my home or destroying things, you know? I didn't have anybody that was getting in. I'm like, this is gonna be great. We're gonna sit at home. We're gonna watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade, watch a little football, watch my saints get absolutely obliterated and just cry out to God that night, you know, asking the Lord to heal my soul and uh, all these things. And literally, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give it just one more glance over what I'm gonna speak uh, on, on Sunday in Gwinnett, that way I don't have to worry about it the rest of the week. And then I felt a total shift on Thursday. I'm like, oh, of course. And so today, I've got a little bit of a different word uh, for you than what maybe I was originally intending on, but I believe it is for right now. When I say right now, listen, I know that gets thrown a lot, thrown around a lot in the church these days. I got a right now word for a right now season. Come on, lift your hands with me. And who needs a right now word, right? You know, every word from God is a right now word. But I really do believe speaking prophetically into this campus, but I believe speaking prophetically into where you are in your life right now. I'm gonna walk us through maybe a familiar passage of scripture that I believe is gonna speak directly to where you're at. Is that all right? Come on, can we pray over the word today? Can you do that with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and into this place. Lord, we thank you for such incredible worship today as we, Lord, we just felt your presence so strongly in this place. I pray over the next few moments that you would do as I often pray for, Lord, that you would anoint me as your vessel to communicate your heart and your word to your people. Lord, so anything of my own thoughts, ideas, or opinions, ask for that to be erased from my memory and from my notes because none of us can trust that. But what we can trust is the unchanging, unwavering, Lamp into our feet, light into our path, word of God. So come and challenge us, change us. Dare to make us a little bit uncomfortable today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. If you got your Bibles or your phones or your tablets or whatever, would you do me a favor? Would you put it in your hand? Would you raise it in the air? Come on, some of you are grabbing your phone and pretending like you got the Bible app on there right now. Just grab it for me. Everybody, my mentor does this, and I, I just find it fitting for today. I find it fitting for this message, and we're going to make a declaration. Is that all right? Repeat after me. Say, I am what his word says I am. I can do what his word says I can do. I can be what his word says I can be. So today, I will hear his word, I will receive his word, and I will obey his word because I love his word. Come on, does anybody love the word of God? I really wanna encourage you, come on now. I wanna, I really do, just before we get into the text, I really do wanna encourage you in the area of getting the word on the inside of you. Even if you just download the Bible app and you just look at the verse of the day, you're gonna read some verses that are a real big encouragement to you. You're gonna read other verses, you're gonna go, I ain't got a clue what that means, right? And you're just gonna read it, maybe in passing. But I, I remember something I heard several years ago that was really an encouragement to my spirit. And I heard a pastor by the name of Judah Smith, and some of you may know his name, maybe have seen him preach or heard messages by him. And in the middle of a message, he said, can I just have a candid moment? This is what he said. He said, listen, sometimes I read a verse. Sometimes I read a, a, a chapter. Sometimes I'm feeling really spiritual and I read a whole book, right, of the Bible in my reading. But one thing I've made a practice of is always getting the word on the inside of me. And he says, and there are a lot of times where I've read the word and I had no clue what I just read. Come on, how many of you read the Bible and said, I don't have any idea what that means or why I need to care about this. You know what I mean? And he said, but here's what I know that my responsibility isn't always a complete understanding of what that text means. My responsibility is to get the word on the inside of me. And he says, and what never, it never fails, that even if I don't have this great revelation in the moment, but I, I diet of having the word on the inside of me, there's a season that's coming, there's a day that's coming, there's a crisis that's coming, there's a moment that's coming where that word is all of a sudden gonna make sense and I'm gonna be able to go through an unfamiliar season with certainty because I hid the word of God in my heart. And so I wanna really encourage you that to get in the Word, even if it's just the verse of the day, it takes you two seconds to read it, you can get it as a, 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 a notification on your phone, but do whatever you can to get the Word of God on the inside of you, and I promise you, it may not make sense in a moment, but here's what I know. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it has the ability to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and bringing clarity in the days of confusion. So if there's ever a day and ever a time, if I could give a plug to get the word of God in you, let's be a church, let's be guilty of having what, what a friend of mine would say, word breath. Come on, where the word is just so in us, it just naturally comes out of us. Is that all right? Come on, hey, we're gonna look today, if you got your Bibles, 2 Kings chapter 13 is gonna be the text that we're gonna look at today. 2 Kings chapter 13, and I'm gonna give you a little bit of context to where we're jumping in into in scripture. I believe it's always really imperative that we don't just kind of drop ourselves anywhere in the scripture, but we take a moment and get a little bit of a lay of the land, if you will, about where are we? We're jumping in over these next few moments together and just a few verses we're gonna look at today. We're jumping in at the end of a man by the name of Elisha's life. Now, Elisha, you gotta understand who he is. He's a prophet to the nation of Israel. He has been, he's a, he's a seer. He's a mouthpiece, if you will, and, and to the nation of Israel at this time. And here in 2 Kings chapter 13, it's a pivotal, pivotal time because we're actually getting ready to see the end of his life. We're actually getting ready to read his dying last words. Now, here's why Elisha is really important. Once again, something I got from somebody else. I, I remember hearing a, a preacher talking about reading the Old Testament. 
And at times we can read these historical events and get a little confused and figuring out how do we parallel this from all the way back then into today. And I remember one of the greatest Bible tips, if you will, that I got was every time you're reading in the Old Testament, just look for Jesus. Just look for the attributes of who you know Jesus to be. A lot of us, we can read through the New Testament and read about the life and the ministry of Jesus and then the apostles and the early church. And a lot of that feels a lot more digestible to us. But when we look at the Old Testament at times, every once in a while we're like, I don't know how this applies. So I'm getting a little confused. And so there are all these things in through the Old Testament that we read. If I give you a, a, a word of encouragement, if you will, or, or a tip that has helped me, is when you're reading the text, just always look for Jesus. And, and Elisha is somebody that is said to be a, a type of Christ. So in other words, if I look at Elisha's life, it was a foreshadowing of the Jesus, the Messiah to come. And so when I look at Elisha's life all throughout scripture, I can begin to see the foreshadowing of who Jesus is. So Elisha is this guy. Elisha, if you've heard the name, if you've been around church any length of time, he was the prophet with the double portion. He went, did, journeyed his life. He was kind of the protege, if you will, of another prophet before him, Elijah. And as a, right before Elijah left and ascended into heaven, Elisha said, hey, I, I, wanna, I wanna double portion. I want a double portion of what is on your life to then lead in this next season and to prophetically declare in this next season for the nation of Israel. So we're looking at, this is a really important person. Here is Elisha, he's on his dying, on his deathbed, and the nation of Israel right now is being led by a king who has been worshiping false gods, who he knows the, the prophecies, he knows the promises that are on the nation that he is called to lead in this season, but yet he's chosen a different path. He's chosen to lead and to worship a counterfeit gospel, a counterfeit belief system, rather than to the one true God. And word gets out that Elisha is getting ready to die. He's, as a matter of fact, scripture is about to call it his last illness. This is whatever, we don't know what the illness is, but whatever Elisha has fallen sick from, He's getting ready to die of. And so all of a sudden, crisis sets in. Now just hang with me, because I'm gonna lay some groundwork as to where ultimately where we're going. So hang with me through the history lesson here. And so Elisha's on his deathbed, and he's getting ready to give his final words, and the king has a moment of panic. Because even though he's been doing the wrong thing, he knows what the right thing is. Even though he's been worshiping a false god, He's got this twitch in the back of him because of the, the legacy and the prophecy of what is, has been declared over the nation of Israel. He knows, hang on a second, I'm about to have this sobering moment where the thing that's been, should have been leading me seems to be leaving me. The thing that I should have been leaning into and hearing from is now getting ready to disappear. So in a moment of crisis, he runs to Elisha to try to get some help with Elisha's dying words. I'll give you that context. Let's get into the text. Are you with me this morning? 2 Kings chapter 13, starting in verse 14, reads this way. It says, when Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. Now let's stop there just for a moment. I don't have time for us to backtrack into this is he uses the exact same phrase that if you want to make note of this in 2nd Kings chapter 2 verse 12 
Elisha says these same words when he is getting ready to see Elijah pass away. In other words, the king has had this moment of where he looks at how things have been. He looks at that Elisha's getting ready to die and he looks and sees, but this is all I'm left with. In other words, he says, I see men, I see chariots, I see resources, but I know everything that I have still isn't enough. I know that the only reason we've gotten as far as we've gotten has been because of you, Elisha. It's been the man of God beginning to speak and declare truth over the nation of Israel. And I see that this all appears to be coming to an end. And I realize that I'm getting ready to be left with what really I realize isn't very much. I'm at this kind of time of transition where I've just been sobered up and realized I've kind of just been coasting a bit and I'm left with not much. I'm just left with chariots and the riders. Then in verse 15, he says this. Once again, just go with me. We're laying some groundwork here, okay? Verse 15, he says, Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Now, what's happening right here is Elisha, once again, he's getting ready to pass. The king is fearful because even though Israel's not at war, there isn't a battle that's currently going on. They've been through a lot. They've had years and years of many battles, many wars. And right now, there is no present visible threat to the nation of Israel. But here's what the king knows. Things are all right right now, but if there's one thing I know, adversity's coming. Things are okay right now, but if there's one thing I know, there's a battle that's coming. Things are okay right now, I got peace right now, but if there's one thing I know, war is coming. Come on, how many of you can relate to that where when you get into a season of where kind of things kind of settle out a little bit, you catch your breath a little bit, you almost do so kind of on pins and needles because you're like, how long is this gonna last? Come on, have you felt that way? Where you're like, listen, I, things are actually really good right now. I've got a breakthrough right now. This is a good season right now. I can catch my breath again right now. But here's what I know. It, it probably isn't gonna stay this way very long. That's where the king's at right now. The king is in this place if he's been leading the nation of Israel, actually been disobedient to the commands of God, but there's actually no what appears to be present threat on his life. But he knows that this is gonna be short-lived. And he knows that every other ticket to success, every other ticket of victory for the nation of Israel had to do with the promise of God providing and sustaining the people through victory. And what he sees is the one who seems to be the mouthpiece for God is getting ready to leave. So he goes, I'm not under any kind of threat right now. We've been through a lot. We've lost some good men. We've lost some things, but we've also overcome a lot. But he's kind of sitting there going, I'm kind of on pins and needles because even though there's no apparent threat right now, I know this isn't gonna last very long. If, if you will, I, it kind of feels contextually how I feel like a lot of us are in right now. Well, I feel like we've actually begun to slide in to a little bit of settling. Can you feel that a little bit? Can you feel how there's, it seems to me, we've been through a lot over the last 12 months, 18 months almost borderline two years, we've been through a lot of heartache, we've been through a lot of war, a lot of warfare, a lot of loss, a lot of pain, and all those things, and as we've just now stepped into the holiday season, we're getting ready, Christmas right around the corner, and hold your horses, here comes 2022. 
you can almost feel some things beginning to relax. You're beginning to kind of feel things settle. This is a bit where the, the king is. He said, I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot of war. I've lost a lot of men. I've overcome a lot. And although things are okay right now, I don't know really how long this is gonna last. Now let's just keep going. So Elisha told him once again, get the bow, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. So in other words, Elisha says, listen, I'm getting ready to show you how to fight. I'm getting ready to slip from this life into the next, but I'm gonna show you how to fight. I'm gonna show you how to overcome. I'm gonna show you that although you are not under any sort of present threat right now, I'm gonna show you how to fight, how to move forward, how to be victorious. And so he tells him what? To grab the bow and some arrows. In other words, grab things that are within your reach. All you need to overcome, King, all you need to overcome, Ryan, everything you need to keep going in this season, in the seasons to come, you need to understand it's already within your reach. So look around. I kind of, my, my imagination goes a little weird. I, I, I usually, I kind of see this whole exchange happening. Um, you know, my, I've got three little kids at home. And uh, how many of you have seen the movie Shrek, right? You got Shrek and she's up in the tower, Princess Fiona, and she's laying there. Okay, instead of Princess Fiona, I see Elisha. There's he, there he is in this little chamber in the tallest tower, if you will. And he's just saying, look, just look around. The room's not very big. Grab what's within your reach. Grab a bow and grab some arrows. I'm gonna teach you how to fight. Verse 16, he says this. And Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. And then he commanded open that eastern window, and he opened it. Then he said, shoot, and he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. In other words, he said, he's giving him an image of saying, listen, I'm showing you where to focus and I'm going ahead and telling you that even though you don't presently see battle, even though right now you're not presently under persecution, I'm gonna tell you when the day comes, we're gonna already signal victory. I'm gonna tell you that when, I need you to see yourself victorious before you even see yourself in a battle. If there's one thing that you need to see right now is even if you don't see persecution over your life, or you don't see adversity hitting you, you don't see great obstacles right now presently in this season, God is saying, hey, I need you to fix your focus and I need you to go ahead and see it, that when it comes, you've already got victory over it. I need to paint inside of you an image right now, there's no threat, but when it comes, I need you to see yourself victorious. I need you to know that you're gonna get through it. I, I need you to know that there is victory that has already been declared over your life. So he's not telling the king, you're not gonna face adversity. He's not telling the king, there isn't coming battles. He's saying, when they come, I need you to know you're already victorious. Elisha made it clear the connection between the shooting of arrows and the deliverance that was coming to Israel. Now this may seem really weird when you and I read it. Why open a window? Why shoot an arrow? Well, actually, it was ancient custom to shoot an arrow or cast a spear into the country which an army intended to invade. So it was literally a declaration. Hey, this is where we're going. This is where we're moving. 
And so I'm going to go ahead and declare victory over it. I'm going to go ahead and declare that whatever is waiting for me in 2022, I have been equipped for such a time as this to overcome it. That I don't have to live a life that looks like what my past looks like. But God has been put shaping, I believe, prophetically in his church and in you and I throughout this entire year of equipping and saying, hey, I've equipped you so that when adversity comes in the new year, when challenges come all in the name of fulfilling what God has called you to do, I need you to know that not only am I with you, but I've been spending this season time to equip you. And guess what? You're already victorious. You're going to still have to fight. But I need you to know there's already victory. So he tells them. Get an arrow, get a bow, get everything within your reach. See the victory. See yourself already overcoming whatever's waiting on you. Don't wait until you're facing it and try to figure out a way to overcome it. But even before there's a threat on your life, I need you to see it already that you are victorious. I need you to see already that we're gonna keep moving forward. And he says everything for victory in this season and in the season to come, it's within your reach. So open the window. The battle hasn't begun yet, but I need you to see it before you see it. That's what I love about what Pastor Nick's doing right now in us as a campus, in the Gwinnett campus. What is he saying? Listen, we can talk about leveling trees and we can talk about heart for the house and all, and all those things are really important, but they mean nothing if we don't agree in the spirit about who God has called us to be for such a time as this in this city. Because if there's agreement there, leveling trees is easy. Raising funds is easy. Why? Because we're united and grounded in something much deeper than what I can see on the surface. This has been a time where you can feel the church beginning to unite again, equipping again, getting its confidence back, standing again like never before. Yeah, it's maybe taken longer than we thought, but maybe we were a little more messed up than we thought too. Maybe your life isn't as perfect as your social media account makes it look like. You know why I don't post that much on social media? Because my life ain't perfect. <laughs> and if I did, y'all be like, dang, we got to pray for him, Father, in the name of Jesus. He said, I need you to see it. Because adversity is going to come. Battles are going to come. But I'm really worried. Can I be really transparent? I'm worried right now. You want to know why? Because I can feel things starting to settle. This happened a couple months ago. It was about two months ago. I had had this moment where I woke up one morning. It was my off day. Everybody was gone. I was home alone. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm gonna clean the kitchen. That's how you know God's moving. Can I just go ahead and say that right there? When you voluntarily clean, when you're a man and you voluntarily clean the kitchen, your wife didn't hold it over you, put it on the honeydew list, anything, guilty, none of those things happen. I said, you know what? I'm gonna clean the kitchen. It's the least I can do. So I'm over there, you know, like Cinderella, Cinderella, Cinderella. Like I, I was just scrubbing pots and doing, I was washing stuff by hand. That's the other way you know God was moving. I wasn't cramming more things in the dishwasher. I was washing things by hand. I was wiping down counters. I was dusting things. I won't tell you what was on my cleaning playlist. Y'all would judge me. You know what I mean? But I was cleaning. And I heard that garage door open and I was like, quick, grab a rag, right? I go over to the, the countertop and Lindsay walks in and I'm like, hey, babe. How you doing? And she looks at me and she goes, okay, okay, okay. Right? She sees it. I'm like, well, I'm aging like wine, baby. I'm getting better with years, you know? And, I'm cleaning the kitchen and she's like, 
what's gotten into you? Like, what do you mean? What's gotten into me? Oh, you mean this? You know, like, just these, you know, right over there. What's, what's gotten into you? I'm like, oh, I don't know what you mean. She goes, no, 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 so, something's been different. Over the last, like, I don't know, two months, maybe even three months, like, you've just been, like, so helpful. I'm like, I'm, I'm, what you trying to say? I'm not normally helpful? You know, I, can't, I turn into the guy who can't take a compliment, you know what I mean? What about all the other times? Well, you're not very helpful in those times. But for these last two or three months, you, you've been so helpful. You know, it's just like, you're so patient with the kids. That light that you told me couldn't be fixed three years ago, all of a sudden you figured out a way to fix it, you know? Babe, it's broke. I'm just gonna say it's broke, it's broke. You know, I can't tell. What's gotten into you? I was like, well, I begin to think, because I hold on to words way too long. I hold on to compliments too long. I hold on to, to insults even longer. I begin to think, well, you know what? About two months ago, I got a phone call from my dad. And many of you have heard of the journey that we've walked through with him. He's, he was given... Uh, he was given the diagnosis. They said he had seven years left to live. That was four years ago. We were coming in into three years. We've been praying. A lot of you have been praying along with us. And they sent him off to, to another specialist who kind of specializes in the condition that he has. And he went in two months ago and went under just literally from like head to toe scans and everything that they've been doing on him. And the doctors came back in the room and they said, well, listen, you know, this is the first time that we've seen you and what we're comparing your charts from what you what came over here with and just something isn't lining up because you don't have what they've been telling you you've had for the last four years. And so either they've gotten it wrong for four years or there was a miracle. But he said, but they said, well, listen, this is the first time we've seen you. So we, you know, like doctors don't want to get too committal, right? You know, so like, we want you to come back in a couple of months and we'll reevaluate. We had this big win as a family after praying for literally the last four years, every day, me crying out to God, begging God, declaring God's goodness, declaring God's healing over my dad's life. And then it was literally only about two weeks later that I just had just a really intense moment of prayer with God, had this like, just, I, I can't really describe it to you, just breakthrough moment. And I felt like God had healed some things in me spiritually, emotionally, relationally. Many of you know that I've been through the year of hell with my health for the last 12 months. And literally after spiritual breakthrough and emotional breakthrough, it's begun to manifest in my body to where, I, although I've still got a little bit of a journey that's ahead of me, but I'm in the least amount of pain I've been in over the last 18 months. And we had had this really massive breakthrough. And it was like, whoa! But I've never interceded, never prayed, never dug more into the word, than I have over these last 12 to 18 months. And we had these two massive breakthroughs happen all in the same month, just a couple months ago. And all of a sudden, I'm just like the world's greatest husband, and I'm helping out. And then about three weeks ago, we were riding in the car, and my wife goes, what happened? And I said, what do you mean what happened? Oh, am I getting better? <laughs> she says, no, you're irritable. You're not pleasant to be around. You got a short temper. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa can we just stop? <laughs> you know what changed? I had gotten, I was so in pursuit of the heart of God through prayer and the word that I let up. 
And I wasn't getting up early anymore like I was. And I wasn't staying late in my office, closing the door, bawling my eyes out, crying out to God like I was. And I wasn't in the word like I was. And all of it shifted, why? Because all of a sudden I didn't feel like I was under any sort of attack. And here I was getting ready to slide right back in to a pit that I had spent 12 to 18 months trying to call myself out of. And that's when I realized that a lot of us, we know how to pray ourselves out of a pit, but don't know how to pray ourselves into a promise. That my, the reason why I'm getting really nervous is because you're beginning to feel all of the pressure, all the intense warfare that everybody in this room has been through over the last 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. And all of a sudden things are settling down. All of a sudden people are beginning to laugh again, to be generous again, to be patient again. All of a sudden people are beginning to come back to church. And we're beginning to see all these really incredible things happen. But can I say something? We've been here before. And we have found ourselves sliding right back into the same pits over and over again. Not because we don't know what it takes to get out of crisis. Not that it, we don't know what it takes to go through spiritual warfare. But can you persist in the presence of God the same when your life appears to not be under a present threat? Elisha's looking at the king and he's saying, listen, you've come to me because even, you know, things are beginning to settle, but you know that there's adversity that's still coming. There's heartache that's still coming. There's loss that's still coming. There's difficulty that's still coming. There's uncertainty that's still coming. And I'm needing you to see even before you're in that place or in that season, I need to you, you to see yourself victorious. I, I need you to see yourself whole. Even through adversity, I need you to see that it's not gonna take my mind. It's not gonna take my joy. It's not gonna take my peace. I need you to see it now, because guess what, friends? It's coming. And so if I'm honest, I'm worried. I'm worried that things are going good. Here's what I realized. Is that a sign of immaturity in me is that I only know how to fight in crisis. My spiritual immaturity is no, I can pray the paint off the walls when I'm in crisis. I can dig into the Word of God to find things that I, I scuba diving. I mean, we in deep, deep waters when I'm in crisis. Like I'm looking up every Greek and Hebrew word for every word there is. It's got to mean something deeper. It's got to mean something bigger. when I'm in crisis, but that's my immaturity. My spiritual immaturity is I know how to, you put me against a wall, I know how to fight. Our family's going through hell, I know how to fight. Our finances are upside down, I know how to fight. We all going on a fast, thus saith the Lord. You know what I mean? We, I know how to fight, y'all. But all that is just signs and symptoms of spiritual immaturity. Congratulations, you prayed yourself out of the pit. But can you pray yourself into the promise? And Elijah's looking at the king saying, I need you to see. 
You're not underneath any attack right now, but I still need you to see yourself victorious. I need you to see your heart whole. I need you to see your marriage healed. I need you to see yourself set free from addiction. I need you to see your business succeeding. I need you to see this campus in our brand new building. I need you to see these altars filled with breakthrough and deliverance happening in a way that only Jesus can bring. I need you to see it. If we can't see it, then the supernatural, you're not going to see it in the natural. So he says, focus. Elisha showed him where his focus needed to be. Aram wasn't the only enemy. It was just the next one. And if you know the nation of Israel, it wasn't even his biggest one. So here we are. You ever been so desperate that you're just like open to any sort of instruction? Like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Cluck like a chicken, I'll do it. Just let me keep my pants on. You know what I mean? That's all I ask. But even then, I might hit crisis. I'll run butt naked through the street. I don't care. You ever been so desperate? You throw all sensitivities, everything else out the way. This is where the king's at. He says, get a bow. He's like, all right, he said, get a bow. All right, get an arrow. All right, I got to get an arrow. Open the window. Maybe he's hot. We're going to open the window. I don't understand why I'm opening windows. All right, now shoot the arrow. Who am I going to kill? Who's at the bottom of the, he ain't thinking about that. He's, all right, shoot, what's next? And then verse 18, watch this. He says, then... Elisha said, take the arrows, take what's left. And the king took him and Elisha told him, now strike the ground. Now watch this. He struck it three times and he stopped. Now here's what's wild. The king has done everything Elisha told him to do. Verse by verse, decision by decision. Grab the bow, grab the arrow. Open the window, shoot the arrow, grab the arrows, strike the ground. But Elisha never told him to stop. And in this season, God has met you in that dark hour. And he's shown you how to get through. And he's shown you how he's gonna provide and he's brought people along the way. And he's shown you what can happen if you stay diligent in your prayer life. And he's shown you how you can overcome if you get the word on the inside of you. But he never told you to stop. Because the very thing that God uses to get us out of the pit is the very thing he uses us to lead us into the promise. It's the same blueprint. The very thing that gets me out of the pit is the very thing that leads me in the promise. Some of us don't need a miracle. We just need self-discipline. Just self-discipline. Can you say persistent when there's no crisis? Can you keep going when nothing's chasing you? A lot of us are just crisis experts. We know how to get ourselves in. We know how to get ourselves out and then fall right back in. It's like a bad dance move. Like we're up and we're down and we're up and we're down. We're dropping it low for the wrong reason. He says, grab the arrow, strike the ground, but he never told him to stop. 
said, don't just pray for your marriage when your marriage is on the rocks. How about you pray for your marriage in a healthy season? How about you serve your spouse when you're not trying to undo that dumb thing you said the night before? How about you get down and play with your children when, he, when you don't overhear your kids saying, well, my dad's not really there. All these little things that if we would just keep doing them, we wouldn't find out. It's not that crisis is not going to come. It's not that adversity is not going to come. It's not that war is not coming. But in this time, here, Elisha is showing the king something that we see modeled in prayer, this persistence. Verse 19, he goes on to say, but the man of God, speaking of Elisha, he was angry with him. He should have struck the ground five times, or six times. He exclaimed, and then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. But now, you'll only be victorious three times. So to the measure that you stop pounding the ground, it's directly correlated to the amount of victory that you'll walk in. He says, Can you, I need you to see it. There's one thing I'm really worried about is I can just feel things beginning to settle. I feel it in my own life. I candidly shared with you. I was getting good, y'all. On the little Bible app thing, you know how it gives you the streak number at the top so you feel good about yourself? I was at like 167. I won't tell you what the number is right now, but it's only single digits. So I missed some days. I haven't had the persistence that I had that led me to this point. But if I'm going to keep moving, if I'm going to keep overcoming, if I'm going to keep conquering, if I'm going to keep moving forward, if we're going to continue to do that as a campus and as a church, what God has been foundationally doing in and through his bride over these last two years, if there's one word, if you've heard nothing else that I've said today, I've just got two words to tell you, just don't stop. Don't stop leaning into the presence of God. Don't stop reading the word. Don't stop praying. Don't stop turning up. Don't stop being generous. Don't stop pouring into other people. Just don't stop. The issue wasn't that the man slowed down. It was that he stopped. There are times to go fast and there are times to go slow, but there's never a time to stop. 28 seasons that are listed in Ecclesiastes chapter three, and none of them is to stop. None of them is to quit. It talks about weeping and mourning, but it never talks about stopping and quitting. That even as I'm grieving through loss and adversity, I can continue to keep moving. There are seasons when I'm running and there are seasons when I'm crawling, but there should never be a season where I'm stopping. So don't stop. Some of you have just begun just literally gotten the tiniest taste of what God has for your life. And you're tempted just to stop and settle. And he says, no, you gotta keep going. Come on, Gwinnett Campus, we can't stop. Look around you. Look how full this room is. Those of you who were here four months ago, look around you. Remember how not full that room was. Don't stop. That's why I love you. your campus pastors. Pastor Nick up here. I see a thousand. I see a thousand. I saw some of y'all like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Who's this man counting? 
Those of you on Zoom on YouTube, we counting cats and dogs and squirrels. I see thousands. Can you see it? Before you see it, don't stop. Don't stop. The only people who don't break through are the people who chose to stop. It's the only difference. The difference between those who receive breakthrough and those who don't are the ones who receive breakthrough just refuse to quit. That's my life story. My life story was I was never not going to show up. So I just kept showing up. Even when they picked somebody else over me, I kept showing up. Even when I was replaced, I kept showing up. Even when I was stabbed in the back, I kept showing up. Even when others were running their mouths about me, I just kept showing up. That's why I feel like Paul, Paul says this and I'm done, I promise. Felicia, Felicia, Felicia's not in the Bible. Philippians. I got a letter from Felicia. Let me go ahead and tell you, Felicia. All right. Y'all, Pastor Ashley's preaching next week, all right? I promise no Felicia references. He probably don't even know who Felicia is, right? Okay, so. Ooh, Holy Spirit, come back. All right, Philippians. Chapter three, I gotta get out, I gotta get out. I'm in the pit, and then watch me get myself out of the pit. Paul says this, he says, I'm not trying to say that I've got this all together, that I've made it, but I'm well on my way. I'm reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. So friends, don't get me wrong, by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. I've just got my eye on the goal, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. So I'm off and I'm running and I got no interest in turning back. I've got no interest in stopping short. I've got no interest of settling too soon. I've got, I'm wondering if there's people who are willing to not turn back and just reminisce over what was, but could expectantly move forward into what God is calling us into. And the only way we'll get there is we just can't stop. Let me give you one more verse because I preached early in the first service. I'm going to make up my minutes here, but Philippians, not Philippians, Matthew chapter seven, Jesus would say it this way. Ask, don't just ask once, keep on asking and it'll be given to you. Seek and then what? Keep on seeking and you'll find. Knock, but keep on knocking and the door will be open for everyone who keeps on asking receives. Everybody who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who just keeps on knocking, it's gonna be open. So don't stop, don't settle. There's so much more. Gwinnett Campus, this city needs you to keep on. Your family needs you to keep on. Your business needs you to keep on. Would you do me a favor, stand to your feet and I'm done. Pastor Nick's gonna come close this out, but I do want to lead us in just one moment over the next 30 seconds. Whatever you need to do to connect with God right now, you need to close your eyes, you need to lift your hands, you need to get on your knees, whatever it is, just to kind of align your focus. I'm not going to lead you in a prayer. I do believe those are powerful. I believe there's a time and a place for those things. We do that a lot here, but this is going to come out of your mouth and your words. But I feel like today you need to make a covenant. You need to make an agreement. You need to, with God, 
to say, I'm not going to stop. I'm not just going to know how to pray myself out of a pit, but I'm making the promise to you today, God, I'm, I'm going to continue to keep praying myself into promise. I've been in your word and it's helped me get out of this pit, but I'm going to stay in your word so it keeps leading me into promise. I'm going to keep on. I'm not going to stop. So however you need to say that to God right now, would you do that? Whether you want to whisper, you want to shout, whatever it is. I want to encourage you not to have my words in your mouth, but your words, your heart, your promise, your covenant with God today. God, we're not going to settle. We're not going to stop short. We're going to keep striking the ground. We see ourselves victorious. We see our marriages whole. We see our lives walking in promise. Yes, there's adversity. Yes, there's war. Yes, there's famine. Yes, there's all these things that as a result to our fallen world. But Lord, we see ourselves victoriously moving forward. Seal this word today in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.